Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Open your Bibles to James chapter 4 as we continue in our series on James under these great words we've been looking at, practical Christianity. As I've been telling you a long time, James is very practical in what he has today. And today, we're going to talk about how to face your future. You know, we are obsessed with the future. Some people are obsessed with the year 2020. I don't know why. It's just a year. That's all it is. Some people obsess with 2020. Some people say, if we don't get our act together in 12 years, it will be too late. We'll all be doomed in 12 years. You know, so what do we do? We, we read books, we, we, we listen to news, we, we want to know what's going to happen next. We go to seminars, we listen to podcasts, you know, we listen to all these, uh, these pundits say what's going to happen, and we get more confused. We never stop to ask, what does the Bible say about the future? What does the Bible say about these things? You know, the fact of the matter is, is you know, the Bible talks about planning. The Bible talks about planning for your future. It's not against it. It talks about it. Uh, we know that God is interested in that. So we're going to look at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, under the heading, How to Face Your Future. And as we'll look at this, we'll see that we make three mistakes when we start planning for the future. So follow along as I read. James writes, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that peers for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. James starts off this little section in verse 13 uh, with a story. With, maybe it's a hypothetical story. Maybe it's a story that was real. We have two individuals talking. One of them has an MBA from Jerusalem University, and the other one is a CEO of a Fortune 500 country, uh, company in Tel Aviv. Uh, they make this statement in verse 13. Now listen, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? The Bible's not against planning. The Bible's not against about you planning a future. Matter of fact, the writer of Proverbs, uh, Solomon, says that, that if we don't plan, we're fools. Well, I don't want to be a fool, so I want to plan. So what's wrong with this individual? Uh, he, he's doing everything right. He says, when's he going to do this? He says, we'll, we'll do this you know, today. We'll do it uh, tomorrow. Where are they going to go? This or that city. What are they going, going to do? They're going to carry on business. Why are they going to do that? They're going to do it to make money. What's wrong with that? They've got a plan. They said, this is the way we're going to do it. Where do they go wrong? This reveals the first common mistake we make in planning the future is we make, our, we make planning without God. We don't put God anywhere in the picture. You don't see God mentioned anywhere in their plans. Not a single mention of God. God is telling us, I'm okay with your plans, but why don't you check with me first? Why don't you see what I would like for you to do? I don't understand. It's, it's okay to plan. There's nothing wrong with, with planning. But we have to see what does the Bible say about planning? 
God's not against it. Jesus was not against planning. As a matter of fact, Jesus told a story of a guy who was going to build a building. He said before he built a building, he would count the cost to make sure he's got the money to do it. He said, you got a plan. You don't want to be, you don't want to be embarrassed if you can't complete what you plan. So the Bible's not against it. You know, the, as I said, Proverbs says, if you don't plan, you're a fool. You're a fool. Well, I don't want to be foolish, so I want to make sure I make plans. But the problem is these individuals did not include God in their plan. They were leaning on self-sufficiency. We can do this in our own strength. We can do this in our own power. We can do this in our own ability. I think too often we as followers of Jesus leave God out of the plan. We're definitely leaving God out of the plan in the world in which we live. I think years from now, now listen, I'm not a prophet nor am I the son of a prophet. But I think years from now, historians will look back on this generation and say, what happened to this generation is they left God out of the plan. They did not seek God to lay the plan. Now, they probably won't talk about it, but in, in the back rooms, that's one of the things they say, yeah, we should have put God in that. That's where we messed up. That's when everything began going to pot. For all practical purposes... Most Christians are what I call practical atheists. You know what that is, don't you? A practical atheist is one who says, yes, God is in my life, but God's not involved anywhere in their life. And for all practical purposes, they are practical atheists. A couple of years ago, I preached a series on called Practical Atheism. I think it's still online. You can go back and find it in our archives about how we, we as Christians are practical atheists. It's one thing to find of an individual who does not know God. He says, I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist. That's one thing. But to find a Christian who says he believes in God, but God is not involved in his planning, that's even sadder. That's sadder. At least the other guy has an excuse. The Christian has no excuse because he knows God, but yet he does not involve God in his life. You say, well, I believe in God. Well, is God involved in your business plan? Is God involved in your life? Well, no, I don't believe in mixing religion and, and my relationship with God and business. It's all God's business. God wants to be involved in your business. He wants to be involved in your life. You say, say uh, I'm a believer. Is God involved in your politics? No, I don't believe in mixing Bible and politics. You better mix it because God's concerned about those things. God is concerned about all those things. God is concerned about everything we do. Everything we do. So what's the solution? Include God in your goal setting. Look at verse 15. He says in verse 15, Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Circle the word if. That's the key. The word if is the key. If it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's plan, if this is what God's want, then this is what's going to happen. Did you know that the best laid plans of mice and men will often fail? Did you know that? There's, there's a law out there. It's a law. It's called Murphy's Law. Y'all know Murphy's Law? I actually changed it several years ago. I'm still waiting on the patent. I've called it Worley's Law. And Worley's Law says anything that will go wrong will go wrong. Uh, it's just a story of life. Uh, that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, we've got that. Life is a big if. As a matter of fact, what is the middle word in the word life? L-I-F-E. It's if. If. Life's kind of iffy at the best. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's always going to play. Now, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. 
I can make an educated guess, but in reality, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know what is going to happen. But planning without God is foolishness. Planning without God is foolishness. It doesn't make any, any, any sense. The starting point in facing the future is putting God in your plans. It's okay to plan, but put God in your plans. Proverbs 16 verse 1 says this, We may make our plans, but God has the last word. Proverbs 16 9 says this, We should make plans counting on God to direct us. So we need to stop saying, God bless what I'm doing. God, I've got all these plans. Now God bless my plans. God bless what I'm doing. We need to stop that. And we need to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, what is it that you're blessing? And help me get, get involved in what you're doing. Because listen, God's blessing, he's going to bless you when you get in the middle of it. That's what we should be doing. Instead, what we do is we lay out a detailed plan. Say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And we say, okay, now God bless this. And God said, oh, man, I didn't really want you to do that. That's not really what I wanted. Listen, it'll work in the individual life, and it works in the life of the church as well. Find out what God wants us to do, and then let's get on board with what God wants us to do. Instead of what we think this is what you want us to do, therefore we're going to do that, and God says, oh, man, you're missing it. You're missing it. All you got to do is read the Bible, and you know what God wants to do. I, I, I'm, I'm very simple with what God wants the church to do. Here it is. You ready? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he said. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then he told his disciples after he left, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Well, what did, how did the Father send Jesus? To seek and save that which was lost. So we as his church, we as the body of Christ, what are we supposed to be doing? Seeking and saving that which was lost. It's pretty simple. It's not rocket science. Well, I told somebody today, it's not rocket surgery. You know, it's not that. It's pretty simple. Find out what God wants to do and then put God in the center of your plans. Second common mistake we make is presuming about tomorrow. We, 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 we take a lot for granted. We think we're going to live forever, don't we? Ah, we're going to live forever. I don't have to worry about it. Look at what James says in verse 14 and 16. He says, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Verse 16. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. James gives us a couple of reasons why we presume about why it's wrong to presume about tomorrow. He says, first, life is unpredictable. Notice what he says in verse 14. You do not even know. You do not even know. He said, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. Look, we don't even know what's going to happen at 12 o'clock today. We have no idea what's going to happen. Life is unpredictable. And because life is unpredictable, sometimes it scares us. It frightens us. Because we don't know what to expect. And so sometimes that keeps us from doing anything. We say, well, because we don't know what that's going to look like, we'll just sit back here and be comfortable and not do anything with our personal lives. We never venture into the realm of the unknown. 
We never go in the words of Gene Roddenberry. We never go where no man has ever gone before. We don't experience to boldly go where no man has ever gone before. We don't ever do it. Life is unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen. He says the second reason it's wrong to presume about tomorrow. He says life is brief. Look at what he says. He said you are a mist. You're a mist. That word mist comes from a, a Greek word where we get the word atmosphere. What he's basically saying is you're a fog. A fog is there in the morning. By noon it's burned off and it's gone. You have a very short amount of time to live life. How does the Bible talk about us uh, th throughout Scripture? The Bible says you're like a leaf. You're like grass. You're like a shadow. You're like a cloud. You're like a puff of smoke. You're a vapor. Years ago, one of my favorite rock bands was the group Kansas. I know I'm dating myself. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Others, Kansas, isn't that a state? Uh, uh, look them up, Google Kansas. Google this song, Dust in the Wind. Todd Libgren, who wrote that song, was a Christian. He said, how can I use music in the secular world to communicate a biblical truth? And he said, all we are is dust in the wind. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. Nothing. All we are is dust in the wind. Where did he get that? We're a vapor. We're a vapor. Life is quick. Life is short. It's brief. But what do we do? We take tomorrow for granted. Do you realize, hear me, do you realize you are a heartbeat away from eternity? A heartbeat away from eternity. It kind of makes you, puts things in perspective, doesn't it? When you start thinking of it that way. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 12 says this, Come, each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer and tomorrow will be like today or even better. You know anybody's got that kind of attitude? You know, life's a party, party. I'll bring the beer. I'll bring the alcohol. Let's just party. Let's just celebrate. Today will be just like tomorrow. Nothing changes. God says that's foolish. It's foolish to think like that. That's just dumb to do something like that. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We love to announce our plans. We, we love to make our goals. We love to declare them. Next year I'm going to double my income. Next year we're going to do this. Next year I'm going to buy that new car. Next year I'm going to get that bigger house. Next year I'm going to get that new job. And we do all those things. It could be either a statement of faith or a statement of arrogance. What makes the difference? A statement of faith or a statement of arrogance? The difference is your motive. What's your motive behind doing that? Why are you saying what you're saying? God says, before you make those plans, check with me first. See what my plans are. See how I want to weave you into the tapestry of life that I'm making for so many people. Check with me first. God is telling you, let me, let me share with you what I think your goals should be. Let me share with you what I think your plans should be. Don't presume about tomorrow. Don't make plans without checking with God. What's the solution? Jesus said in Matthew 6.34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know what Jesus is saying? 
Live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. God gives us our life in bite-sized pieces that, that we can bite off. He said, plan for the future. That's okay. But you can only live today. So plan for the day. You know, take advantage of, of the present. Now I would tell my, my college students going off to college next couple of weeks, you're going to be, man, I'm planning for my future. I'm planning for my future. Got to get those grades. Got to get those grades so I can, I can make that money. I make that money. I say, stop a smell of roses. Enjoy this time. Build your relationship with Christ. Build your relationship with your friends. That's what's going to last. That's what's important. Make sure that you're, in, that you're including God in your plans. Because if you don't do it now, you won't do it later. Don't wait until it's too late to do that. Plan for today, but take advantage of the present. Somebody once said, life is what happens to us while we are planning something else. Life is what happens right here. This is life, what we do right here. We may be planning on something tomorrow or the next day, but we've, we've got to do this right here first. You know what we do? A lot, of, a lot of people say, oh, I remember the good old days. I remember the good old days. I wish we could go back to the good old days. Do you remember those good old days? The thing we forget that a lot of you right now are living in the good old days now, and you're going to be talking about them 15 years from now. Make the most of it now. Make the most of it now. So that when you get 15 years, say, I never had any good old days. The good old days. That's what we're talking about. The present is what I have to give to this world right now. That's why it's called the present. <laughs> it's God's gift to us now is the present. And that's all we can do is live this life that God has given us now, right now, at this very moment. Just because the future is, is insure, unsure and just because we're uncertain, it does not mean I have to get up tight and I have to panic about all those things. God's got this. He knows what He's doing. Just put Him first and, and trust Him and, and we'll get through these things. But we've got to live in the moment now. We've got to live in the present because we can't live tomorrow today. And guess what? Tomorrow you can't relive today. You can't do it. You've only got this one opportunity to do it. You've only got this one opportunity to do it. We don't have to be panicking because of the future. We don't have to be scared because of the future. It just gives us more motivation to trust God more. Say, okay, God, everything's chaotic. Everything's going crazy around me. But God, I know you got this. I know you got this, God. You're going to handle it. And we just trust Him. So two things, we, don't, we plan without God and we, we presume about God. The third one, the third common mistake we make is putting off doing good. Look at verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. He's talking about procrastination. You know, those people, you ever heard somebody say, I'm intending to do that. Or when I get around to it, I'll do it. You ever heard people like that? You know, can I, can I give you a secret? Can I tell you a secret? My favorite sin is procrastinating. That's my favorite sin. I love to put it off tomorrow. I love to put it off next. I'm not proud about it, okay? I'm not gloating. I'm just telling you the truth. I love to put it off. And, you know, I, I know I need to do better tomorrow. I, I'll fix it tomorrow. 
I'll do better. Uh, and I know that some of you resemble that remark, you know. You're putting off tomorrow what you should be doing today. Listen, I know I need to change my ways. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get around to it. Just because you know the right thing to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. That's what James is talking about. How do you define sin? Let's think about this. How do you define sin? If we were to walk around the room and define sin, we'd say, you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you, you, you don't kill, obviously. Uh, you, you, you know, all the, that's what we do. Those are what we call sins of commission. Those are sins you actually commit. Uh, but there's another group of sins out there. You know what these are called? These are called the sins of omission. These are the things you know you should do, but you don't do them. That's what James is talking about in this passage. He's not talking about the sins of commission. He's talking about the sins of omission. The things that you ought to be doing, but you're not doing. James is talking about that. Now you can be a part of a legalistic church can I tell you, I don't like legalistic churches. You know what a legalistic church is? We talked a little bit about this last Sunday night. A legalistic church is those that you say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with those who do. That's a legalistic church. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't chew, and you don't go with those who do. You can be a part of that. A legalistic church is that, you know, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. Whoo! I feel good about myself. I didn't do all those things I was supposed, I, I'm not supposed to do. Listen, if that is all there is to Christianity, hear me on this. If that's all there is to Christianity, things that you don't do, don't do this, don't do this, then any dead person qualifies as a Christian because they don't do anything. Listen, Christianity is not about don't do, it's about do this for God's glory. What he says, procrastination, it's a subtle trap. Someday I will. One of these days I will. When you make that statement, you're presuming about tomorrow that you're going to have an opportunity to do it. James is saying, get committed to God today. Why? Because you have no guarantee you'll be here tomorrow. None. What's the solution? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, 28 says this, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you now have it with you. The writer of Proverbs and James is saying, if someone asks a favor, don't say tomorrow I'll meet that need, if you have the ability to meet it today. They may not have tomorrow and you may not have tomorrow. It, it may not happen. Uh, we've got to do what we have to do. There's three things you can do with your life. You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. It's easy to waste. Let me tell you what, it is easy to waste. Uh, just watch television. You watch a commercial, there's lots of things you can waste. One of the things that my wife hates it that I do this, but if you know anything about me, it, it kind of keeps me out of trouble. I play Candy Crush, okay? 
Uh, that's the only game I play. I'm not real big on games, but I play Candy Crush. It relaxes me, you know, keeps my mind alert. Maybe it has to do with my ADHD. I don't know, uh, but I play Candy Crush. And now, since I've moved way up in the levels, they do commercials in between so you can get more lives. And if you're really good, you can purchase it and you get, I don't do that. I don't spend any money on anything free, okay? I don't do it. Uh, but it's a waste of time. I want to say, would you get done with this commercial so I can play my game? The point is, it's a waste of time. Watch television, the commercials, it's a waste of time. Don't you wish you could just fast forward through the commercials? I always go to my TiVo and I go and say, oh, here's a chance, something I've got to watch this. Fast forward, maybe eliminated. I ain't going to watch it. If I can't fast forward through the commercials, I'm not going to watch it. Listen, the point is, there's lots of things out there you can waste your time on. Or you can spend it. You can spend it on things that you like, you can spend it on wealth, you can spend it on popularity, you can spend it on the accumulation of things. You can waste it, you can spend it. Can I give you a third option? How about invest it? Invest it in something that will last forever. Invest it in something that will withstand the test of time. Jim Elliott was a missionary that was killed. He said this, he is, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. I had a friend of mine by the name of Mike Graham. Mike Graham's gone and passed away. He's with the Lord now. He said, Bruce, there's two things that last forever. You ready? You ready to hear this? I want you to hear this. There's two things that last forever the Word of God, and the souls of men. That's it. God says His Word will last forever. The Word of God and the souls of men. Do you realize that what you're investing in now may determine what you're investing in in the future? Do you realize what you're doing with your life now may determine where you live your life in the future? Or get this. What we invest in here in the world may determine where other people live their life. You're either going to live your life in heaven or you're going to live your life in hell. There, are, there is no in-between. So what we do here has eternal dividends if we invest in that which will last forever. We worry about the duration of life. How long are we going to live? You know what God's interested in? God's interested in the donation of your life. It doesn't really matter how long you live. It's what are you giving to God? God, what are you donating back to God? This is a life He's called you to live. What are you giving back to Him? Jesus tells a story in the Gospels, depending on which one you look at. He tells a story of a master who gave three of his servants gifts, talents, abilities, whatever you want to call them, money. He gave one ten, he gave one five, and he gave one two. He said, take these, and then he went away on a long trip. He had gone a long time. And then he came back, and he went and he said, what did you do with these gifts, these talents that I gave you? And the first guy came back and said, I take the ten that you gave me, and I gave, I gave, I gave, gave twenty. The other guy did five. He said, here's ten. The other guy, the one talent he had, he went and he buried it in the ground. 
And the master looked at him and said, why didn't you take what I gave you and at least invest it in the bank? You would at least get interest back on what I gave you. And then God, Jesus, the, the master makes an interesting statement. He says, you wicked, wicked servant. And I've often questioned that story. I said, is he talking about believers there? Is he talking about believers? Was this one who got the one, was he a believer? He, he, knew, the, he knew the master, and he said, you're wicked. You're wicked. And he took the talent away from him, and he gave it to the others. I don't know. But the point is, he didn't invest what God gave him to invest. He said, here's this one thing I want you to use to benefit others. See, I can do all kinds of things that keep me from doing those no-no sins. But if I'm not doing anything in a positive sense, what does it matter? Really, what good am I, what good am I doing? James is saying with this word, God is saying today, whatever you plan to do for the Lord, do it now. Don't wait till you get around to it. Don't put it off another. If you're planning on doing something for the Lord, do it. Is there somebody you need to invite to church? Do it now. Is there somebody you need to share the gospel with? Do it now. Are you planning on going to Bible study? He says, do it now. Well, here's a good one. He said, I plan on tithing. I plan on giving my money when I'm wealthy and I've got all my money. What if you never get wealthy? God says, if you're planning on giving to me, then do it now. Do it now. Don't put off. Do it now. Because none of us know what will happen tomorrow. God is saying, do it now. Don't wait. There's a story in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus tells that reveals this story, this teaching. Jesus reveals with a, a, a truth through a story it's about an individual who had a very successful life, but he made a foolish decision. As a matter of fact, he made the same mistakes that James talks about in this passage. He planned without God, he presumed about tomorrow, and he put off doing good. It's in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself or to my soul, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. The problem with this man is he had an eye problem. Not this kind of eye. He had an ego problem. He assumed everything was his. He worked for it. He earned it. He said, therefore, I am going to build bigger barns to hoard it more for myself. He didn't think about helping those that were less fortunate. He didn't help, think about utilizing it. He planned it all. And God says, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. 
Because you're going to die tonight. Then everything that you save, whose will it be? Whose will it be? What do we do? It's okay to plan. I'm not against planning. I'm all about planning. We just want to make sure that God is in our plans. That's what you need to do as individuals. That's what you need to be doing as as a a Sunday school class. That's what we need to be doing as a church. God, what do you want us to do? God, what is it you want us to invest in? What's God saying to you today? You know, I can't make the decision for you. All I can do is say, this is what God's Word says. You've got to make the application to your life. You've got to decide, Pastor, that was really good for other people, but it really didn't have any meaning to me. Yeah, it does. It applies to every one of us. Every one of us. What does God want to do with your life? Have you asked Him? Have you said, God, what is it you want from me? God, what is it you want me to do?